Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 32nd edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony coming from you or coming to you live from our uh, our hotel in Chapel Hill that uh, doesn't have a working lamp. <laughs> the light above my bed does not work fully. The TV, we are not sure 100% works. But nonetheless, we are here coming to you after going to late night with Carolina basketball. Um, I'm going to need you to be less frugal next time that we come here. Uh, this is unacceptable standards for this great podcast. Yeah, I'm yeah. disappointed. The funds can only stretch so far. Um, I had to back up payments on my truck couldn't pay rent you're lying to be able to come stay in this humble abode we call the the red roof inn here in chapel Hill. oh come on i can't believe you actually said the exacts yes um but nonetheless it was a great night to be back in the smith center most importantly um, of course, last year, fans, well, there was no late night, um, and fans couldn't attend basketball games until the Florida State game, which was at that time, Carolina only had a handful of home games left. So great seeing people back in Chapel Hill, back in the Smith Center to celebrate and kick off what we expect to be a great basketball season. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely great to – see the environment that was there. Uh, it wasn't at nearly as packed as it has been even in previous years. And I mean, look, we went to probably two of the biggest years for late night with Roy in terms of, I mean, we went to the 2016, uh, the one before this, the, the run to the national championship. And then of course, went to the one the year after they won the national championship and looked at the banner. So you know, those were two that it was going to be hard to match, and we kind of knew that. But it was uh, still pretty impressive. The fans that were there were very loud. Um, 
and I, I thought it was it, it was great and, and very noticeable the, when, when they initially went to Hubert Davis. Um, he took the microphone and didn't get to speak for about three minutes because Toriel fans were cheering and then started a chant. So, I, I mean, I think the biggest thing was we were kind of wondering, you know, how quickly would Carolina fans sort of latch on to Hubert Davis? How quickly would they be able to let go of Roy Williams? And I'm not going to say that they've let go of Roy Williams, but I think this is a transition that especially over the last couple of days, and I think in media days it kind of set in, is that this this is this is a guy that just feels right for this position. Like this makes sense. This doesn't feel unorthodox. It doesn't feel weird. It's it feels right. So I think there's definitely a palpable excitement and it, it was shown here. And I think it's only gonna get better during the season, and I mean, it's. I, I think the environment, especially in, in those first few games of the season, even though they're not going to be against some of the greatest opponents, uh, it's going to be rocking inside the Smith Center because people are ready and happy to be back. There's. I've waited all summer to write an article, listen to a press conference. Media days happens where Hubert Davis is introduced to whatever he is that he's doing as the head basketball coach of North Carolina and and waiting for it to feel weird. And, and it hasn't. Because it's not going to because I think now look, he's still got to win and you've got to do a lot of the great stuff on the court, which I think he's going to. I said all during the times we've done this podcast following his retirement that the job was best suited for Roy Williams. And I feel that same way now about Hubert Davis, where he is the best guy for this job to, to run this program. Um, the the fan base reacting to him being introduced, that gave me goosebumps. Um, and it's it's a really neat moment because we're going through what's going to be a, a you know an historic transition in a historic time period in Carolina uh, basketball. I thought Brian B. Dat McLaughlin did a really great job getting the fan base involved with the chants and stuff like that and, and keeping the energy in there because it's, you know, it was, took us so two hours to get through the event with some downtime here and there as we're getting ready for the skits and all that. Did a really great job keeping the team or the fan base engaged. I thought the uh, there was a great reception for the women's team as well. They're poised to have what could be a breakout season for Courtney Banghart's group with the number two recruiting class coming in on the women's side of things. But, of course, we're going to focus more on the men's side of things. And uh, it was just a lot of great stuff. I thought the, the introductions were really cool. From the They started with the freshmen and going all the way through the seniors. That was our first time we introduced to Dawson Garcia, to Justin McCoy, Brady Manick, the transfers, and, of course, Dontrez Styles and DeMarco Dunn, the freshman, um, you know, Kerwin Walton walking out with his uh, his hairbrush still in his hair was kind of cool. Hair pick. That, hair was, pick. that was awesome. Um, and, and so it was just a lot of fun. You could definitely feel it was a little bit of a different vibe with the music and stuff like that as compared to when Roy Williams is here. The they host. have the choreographed dances. Yeah, I kind of missed that. So it was, um, it was – well, to be honest, though – uh, I mean, you had three-point contests, and I mean, like you said, it still took them two hours. So yeah. if they would have done the dance stuff, I mean, it would have been, I mean, three or four hours, which I mean, look, 
you know, love being in the Smith Center. This is a cool event. But, I mean, look, it's 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 kind of like the spring game in football in that you're there for the scrimmage. You know you're not going to be able to take that much away from it. It gives you a little bit of a taste of it. But at the same time, it's like, look, it's not an official game. So, yeah, we're not, we're not as hyped for it. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I thought um, the environment – was was great throughout the night, and I, I think that uh, B Dad definitely did. Um, he did a fantastic job, like you said, of keeping the energy in there. When we've gone in some of the past years, especially when they used to do the volleyball game beforehand and everything like that, you know, there there was energy, but there were moments where there seemed to be some some lulls. Where this was more trying to get the fans engaged and everything like that. That's what I thought was a little bit different. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was pretty great. It was great to be able to hear from uh, Hubert Davis. Uh, they had about a 45-minute uh, tribute video to him in there. That went for that, that. And 30 minutes of that was uh, Reese Davis talking yeah, about Hubert Davis. I'll tell you what, man. I, I want someone to talk about me the way that Reese Davis talked about Hubert Davis. Did. That was, I mean, that, that was tremendous. I mean, but in all seriousness, I mean, that was a great video being able to see – uh, it featured Roy Williams a lot, of course. It featured, as you mentioned, Reese Davis. Even Digger Phelps got on there. Um, and a bunch of former Tar Heel players that played under Coach Davis when he was an assistant. So it was really cool to see all that and see all these guys congratulating him. And even to see Don Nelson, his former head coach, uh, when he was with the New York Knicks, congratulate him and everything like that. And that definitely looked like it meant a lot to Huber. But... I think the the other thing that I noticed is when you were hearing him kind of talk after that and seeing him explain his life story, and then after that he turns to his team and starts talking to them, you could tell that that was just a head coach. That's a guy that's going to do everything that he can to win. This is the thing. If he doesn't have the success that Carolina fans want, that we want, whatever. It's not going to be for a lack of trying. This is a guy that's going to give everything that he's got. This is not someone that you have to worry about. He's not going to go out on the road and recruit. He's not going to put in the work that he needs to in the video room. I mean, this guy is going to do everything that he possibly can for this team and this university to succeed starting this year. And that's something that I think is great. That's that's something that a lot of Carolina fans should be excited about because this guy, it, it felt hard to imagine that you would find somebody that cares about Carolina the way that Dean Smith and Roy Williams did. You kind of get that feeling with Hubert Davis. And I think that speech that you saw to his team tonight showed that to me. Yeah, um, I think it's really important um, and I thought it was really great um, how he laid it out for his team that they need to be appreciative, humbled, and thankful. They get to be a part of such a special place. There's there's other places where basketball is really important. Eight miles down the road, it's really important. In Lawrence, Kansas, it's pretty important. Um, in farms in Illinois and Indiana, it's really important. It's different here. And I'm not saying that we lost it under Roy Williams. 
I just think that the kids weren't as appreciative of what they're being a part of. This is the greatest basketball program in the world. It is the greatest sports fraternity in the world. There's family, then there's the Carolina basketball family. There's no other family that can replicate what you walk into when you become a part of it. Um, and I think I think the team, you could tell they were more aware of it. They weren't just sitting there taking what he said lightly. They Because he's not going to let them take it lightly. Um, and he shouldn't because it's an honor and a, and a privilege to wear the, the, that jersey. Um, and I think it's all about getting to the name on the front is a lot more important name on the back because if you take care of the front, the back's going to get taken care of itself when they make it to the NBA. Um, and, and so it was just really neat. I love seeing him get in that head coaching mode because I, that was our biggest concern when he got hired was we've never seen him in head, as a head coach. We, the, they don't they don't televise the JV games. He he does a lot with the he did a lot with the JV program, but we never got to see that. We're, we're, if we've seen him in the head coach role within the last couple months with the media stuff, and of course tonight on the court with his team, he looked very comfortable, um, and his team looked very receptive to what he was saying to them when he was talking to them. Um, it was great to meet all the new uh, assistant coaches. Jeff Lebo, a lot of older Tar Heel fans, like my dad's generation, they're going to love him because he was a great player for Carolina at the time. Um, you got Brad Frederick, you got Pat Sullivan, Sean May got a pretty good standing ovation, um, which was kind of expected now that he's officially on the coaching staff, not just in the front office for Carolina basketball. You got Jackie Manuel and those guys as well. So. And I think the best thing about it was was that Hubert Davis told his team, look, the expectations aren't next year or two years away from now. It's it's now. And I think there's that sense of urgency that with these guys, they, they, they need to win now. They need to get this era off to a really good start. As you mentioned, we had the scrimmage. That's the main thing we focus on at late night. Um, this time it was they had 60 minutes to, 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 to decide a winner. They split it up into two teams. First one to 60 points was going to win. They had intermissions at 15, 30 points, 45, and then, of course, whoever scored 60, that was the official end of the game. The blue team, which was led by Caleb Love and Armando Baycott, they took down the white team, which featured um, R.J. Davis, Leaky Black, transfers Dawson Garcia, and Brady Manick, 60 to 45. Not a whole lot we can take away because it's just a scrimmage. But I think the one thing you could that I noticed right away, um, there weren't many possessions where Carolina had two bigs on the court that posted up on the block. Even when Garcia and Manic were on the uh, on the floor at the same time, one was at the perimeter and one may have been near the painted area, but they were still outside the painted area. Something that we got to get used to moving forward. Carolina, between the two teams, they shot a combined 31 three-pointers. They made 10 of them, so not a great percentage, but you can understand that that's going to be a part of what Carolina wants to do. Uh, I thought the pace was really good. Both teams got up and down the court um, and, and pushed the ball. We talked a lot about Caleb Love and R.J. Davis taking that next step. They both look very comfortable tonight in their own right. I mean, yeah. I mean, Caleb Love and, and Armando Baycott both look very good for the Blue Squad. And yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, R.J. Davis, I mean, you go back to the three-point contest as well that took place before uh, he, the the, uh, the men's scrimmage. And, I mean, look, I, I thought – you know, he looked more confident in his shot, and that's one of the things that you're hoping for. Again, you can't really take a ton away from this, even in terms of what we saw offensively. I mean, I think the fact that they're going to stretch the floor more is, is, is very evident and obvious. 
But I, I think that this is when, – when they play these scrimmages, they are usually going to basically just be playing a pickup game. Um, they're not going to run a bunch of offensive sets. Uh, I mean, it's, they're, they're not going to show anything that other teams are going to be able to pick up on. You said that when we were talking about it a little bit the other day. Um, but this is just a chance to see some of the guys that – if you get into some of these late game situations and and plays start to break down, who can make things happen? And yeah, I mean, Caleb Love, I think looked really, really good. Uh, you're hoping that he's a guy that can sort of take the next step. And I feel like he, he's somebody that you know when you heard the way that he talked about Hubert Davis in media days, it would make you think that this is a guy that Hubert Davis is really taking sort of a personal interest in and is going to try to do everything that he possibly can to allow this young man to have success this season. R.J. Davis, I thought the best thing about him was we saw it at times last year, especially late in the season, once they got into that ACC tournament. He wants to drive the basket. That's when he's at his best. Look, his shot looks better. You mentioned that multiple times throughout the night. But at the same time, I think he's got he's a guy that's going to thrive when he can drive inside and, and and either draw contact or finish at the basket. And, and we saw that often tonight. I think that's something that we're going to see going forward. And, you know, I, I also thought that a couple of the bench guys that we think are probably going to factor in either at the stretch four or at the three looked really good tonight. I thought Justin McCoy showed some really promising things. Uh, he was the guy that I think put in, you know, just about the most effort out there, especially running the floor. He made a couple of nice plays in transition um, and, and showed a pretty good shot. And then I, I, I don't know about you, I was also impressed by Dontre Styles. You could see that he made some mistakes. That's something that you're definitely going to see from him this season. But here's the good news is, we're not talking about him having to play a role similar to some of the freshmen that have had to play major roles over the last few seasons. He's going to have you know, some veterans in front of him that are going to be able to help him out, uh, depending on what the lineups look like for Carolina. So this is a guy that doesn't necessarily have to be great out of the gate. But I thought he showed some really good things. He, of course, hit the game-winning shot. And I like this jump shot. I think he's a guy that is probably going to factor in Initially at the three, maybe if he puts on a little bit more body weight, he could be a factor uh, at the stretch four spot. But he's a guy that I think Carolina fans can definitely be encouraged about uh, coming out of this scrimmage. But again, that's the other. Like I said, make sure you're not putting too much stock into this. If a guy struggled tonight, if a guy didn't look as good as maybe you thought, this is a scrimmage. Still a long, long way to go, and. It's it's one outing. This is basically what happens in practice every single day. Guys look good one day, don't look good the next day. So uh, I, I still think, though, that there are some things that uh, you can feel really confident about. Let's talk about the transfers. Um, as I mentioned, they're our first time seeing Manic Garcia, and as you mentioned, McCoy on the court. Uh, Manic 11 points. Six rebounds, five of nine shooting, one of three from the three-point line. Garcia, 12 points, five of nine shooting as well. Also one of three from the three-point line. Also with six rebounds, almost identical stat lines for those two guys. Manic saw, you saw a little bit of everything. You saw him, of course, make a three-pointer. You saw him have a nice turnaround jump shot. You saw him put the ball on the floor. 
you, you see the versatility involved in a lot of Carolina's ball screens, a lot of their action at the top of the key. Garcia, there was a time he got a rebound and advanced the ball up the court himself. So that, that ability to be a ball handler at the five spot, something that was really raved about when he got when he transferred into Carolina. We finally got to see that in action as a way to initiate the offense. I'm with you, though. This is going to – Justin McCoy's body, to me, is what stood out the most. He looked like a legitimate ACC wing. I'm going to need you to settle down over there. Um, and, I, you know, it was just, you know, seven points, three of six from the field, one of two from three, six rebounds. But he just he, – he looks like what Carolina's been missing – on the perimeter as a guy that can do some things for you offensively and also defensively be a force. Um, and we talked about this the other day. If Carolina's going to have the type of season that I, that I think they're going to have, which is a legitimate ACC contender and a potential threat to make the Final Four, Justin McCoy is going to be a big part of it. Um, but it was just really good seeing these transfers the first time in Carolina blue, and they gave us all a taste of what we're going to see over the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that you saw some really promising things from Manic, who I think if you give him space, he's, he's going to make a pick. Um, and, and then with, with Garcia, I didn't feel as good about Garcia as I felt about the other two guys. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I still think that there's, there's a lot there. I think that he is clearly the best rebounder of the three that we talked about. Um, and he's going to play a big factor. But I, I did find it interesting, you know, that, that comment that Caleb Love made at Media Days uh, when he was talking to uh, BDAT, who was in, I guess, one of the breakout rooms and asked him a question about, you know, what his starting five would be. And he said that it would be Armando, Brady Manic, Kerwin, RJ, and himself. And I think tonight you saw that that is probably what's going to be the case. I think that Garcia still has some things that he's got to work on. Um, but I think, you know, there, there, there's definitely something there. You can see the athleticism. You can see a guy that, as you talked about, can put the ball on the floor and really move the offense himself as a guy that's at the four or the five, which is exciting. That's something that – uh, you really didn't see a whole lot of under uh, Roy Williams, and, and and look, you know, here's the thing: you can knock every, you can knock that system as much as you want. That system won a title four years ago, so it's not like that thing was that out of date. But now you're seeing something a little bit different, and it's definitely something that you should be encouraged about. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, with, with McCoy, I mean, like you said, he's got to be a big part of this team this season. They're, Carolina needs these guys that can come off the bench and sort of ignite a fire under this team because the last couple of years it has we've talked so much about how the point guard spot has really been lacking that backup guy there that veteran backup really the bench as a whole has kind of lacked those spark plug like guys that can come off the bench and just light it up whether it's from three whether it's from mid range. I mean, it, they just haven't had those shooters off the bench that can really elevate the game when certain guys come out. I feel like Justin McCoy showed tonight that that could that that could be what he could end up being. And I said it to you, and I said it even when we were looking at him in the off season. 
this feels like this might be the perfect fit for, for him and Carolina. It feels like a really good match for both of these guys. He's back home, just down the road from where he, where he went to high school in Raleigh. So this feels like a comfort zone for him and a system that probably fits him a little bit better than the one that he played in under Tony Bennett at Virginia. I think he's got a chance to have a really special season. Yeah, and I think I think he's gonna we, we're gonna need him to. Um, and I think Carolina's depth, like when you look at it, you're gonna have either Dawson Garcia or Brady Manning. One of those two guys is gonna come off your bench. On top yep. of Anthony Harris is gonna come off your bench, and he showed you some things tonight on both ends of the court. You know he's gonna bring great energy and play good defense, but the ability to put the ball on the floor and drive the hole. He, he looks, looks more helpful. Yeah, that's the he looks confident in himself. Where last year I think there were moments where he was still he was out there, but he was going through the motions and he in his mind he was worried. I, I can't get injured again because he knew, look, if I get injured again, that might be it. Now you're seeing a guy that's feeling a little bit more confident about his health, and it's allowing him to do more things on both ends of the floor. There's also a chance that either Kerwin Walton or R.J. Davis could, 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 could come off the bench. You add in the two freshmen, Dontre Styles, like you said, uh, made the game-winning shot. He had six points, three of six shooting, four rebounds. His shot looks really good to be a freshman. Yep. DeMarco Dunn looked like a freshman, just kind of looked out of whack in front of the fans for the very first time. That was expected. But nonetheless, um, in a scrimmage against ourselves, a lot of great things you could take away um, uh, from this team. Uh, 48 total rebounds between both squads. That's the thing I'm going to harp on all year long is uh, how this team rebounds, what the energy and the effort looks like. Mondo Bacon, a double-double, 18 points. He had 12 rebounds to go along with that. So He looked um, really he, he looked really good. That that was one of my biggest takeaways was the fact that he looked really good. Saw him hit a three pointer. Saw that range out there. But the main thing is he looks like a guy that is ready to take over that leadership role. And he's a guy that looks prepared to be one of the best players in the ACC this season, which is what Carolina needs if they want to get anywhere near where you're thinking that they're going to get to. And if they want to get into that top three or four in the ACC, because uh, and I haven't seen the the media polls officially released. What our host said tonight, he said that that's that, that right now, this is a team that's fifth or sixth in yep. most people's minds in the I, ACC. So. I've, I've seen some media people release their polls, and that's where they, they have Carolina, where they've been the last couple of years. And um, first year, you know, if, 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 that's the, if that's what happens, no one's going to overly freak out with the transition within the roster style of play and all that. But I do think if this team finishes in the top three, you're not going to be surprised because they've got the talent. Mm-hmm. They've got that nice blend of experience and youth. And they've, they've got more quality depth than they've had in the last couple of years. All right. Anything else from Lennon before we move on to what overtook late night during late night? Uh, no, I mean, I, I know – Roy Williams was in the building. There were people that uh, took a, you know, a couple of photos. The one that I saw was from uh, one, one of the people that we both follow on social media, uh, Laramie Jackson, who got a photo of uh, of the Toriel's uh, now former head coach. That Now that is still weird to say. That That's definitely still weird. Um, but the Hall of Famer, I mean, he was there. And I thought it was really cool that clearly – 
he made it known to not put him on camera, to not make this about him. Let this be Hubert's night. And I, I thought that was cool. And he did a great job of flying under the radar because there weren't a lot of fans that pointed him out either. Now he was, it looked like he was sitting right behind where the women's players sat and watched the first half of the men's scrimmage. So he was kind of like right back there. Um, B-Dot was pretty close to him as well. Um, but and, and that to me is makes it pretty obvious that he said beforehand, look, do not make this about me. I'm here to watch just to be a supporter. I'm just like any other fan. And so I thought that was that was pretty cool because you can see that he's a guy that loves being around the university, loves being around the game of basketball, loves being around the Torrio family. But he wants Hubert Davis to succeed. He wants Hubert Davis to have his own experience here. And he'll be there to help him. He'll be there to support him. But he wants him to be able to enjoy the experience and feel like the head coach of North Carolina, not the guy that has to take over for Whitley. Yeah, and that's that's what shows you how much he gets it um, and how unselfish he is as a person. Um, because the guy eight miles down the road wouldn't let that happen. That would that would have been turned into the return of Coach K. Whenever he does officially retire, John Shire does take over. I just hope that when the time becomes appropriate sometime during the season, they do publicly honor Roy Williams um, because he does need to be honored publicly uh, for his contributions, not just to Carolina basketball uh, or kind of like to, to the actual university and hell, the state, um, because the state of Carolina is better because of him. Um, but it was good to let uh, Hubert Davis have his moment because this is now his program. All right. What if – what? Stick with me on this one. What if the night that they honor him is February 5th? Which is the day that Mike Krzyzewski comes to the Dean Dome one last time and they say, you know what? Congrats. Great career. I would just give Bubba Roy a Williams, by the way. I would just give Bubba a lifetime contract. That, that would that would seal Bubba's fate. Uh, he could mess up every hire from the for the remainder of his time here. Um, he does that, and they troll Duke lifetime contract. So, all right, I'm telling you, man, they should they should do it. So, we're gonna come back. We've got some big time recruiting news, but before we touch on that, here is this week's ad from DraftKings. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last time a 0-0 tied the NFL was 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TDPN for down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code PBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800 dash gambler 
All right, guys. Really hope you are taking great advantage um, of, of the of the promos we've been running. This might not be the best week to bet on football because it's not a great slate of games. So that means a lot of wacky stuff is going to happen. But nonetheless, get over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Really, Use that really promo code. Selling that ad there, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Not a great week. Not a great week to bet, guys. But head over there. It's just not. Your mind. You shouldn't be confident betting because you just don't know what's going to happen. Like I, when I bet, which is once, hey, 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 once in a while, they're paying you. You don't care about the other people. Um, you know, I like to bet confidently. All right, as I mentioned, tease some big time recruiting news. Um, Carolina landed a commitment tonight during late night. It broke during during the men's scrimmage, I do believe, is when the, it came like across the quarter-ish. Yeah, yeah, came across the Twitter timelines. When we talked to you last, we were telling you about uh, Simeon Wiltshire being on campus, but we didn't anticipate a commitment coming anytime soon. Well, that happened tonight. The five-star combo guard committed to North Carolina. Um, and it, the way the release came out was that it was – he was either going to an elite program in college or he was going to play in the overtime elite uh, basketball league, which, of course, is one of those new leagues coming out where these high school kid players can go and participate while making um, money. Um, and, and, and he chose Carolina, which is a really big thing for Hubert Davis because that's going to be the challenge navigating recruiting. That was one thing that uh, Roy Williams didn't feel comfortable with was with all these new leagues coming out. you got the G League option. We've also got the Overtime Elite League. You, you feel like you're going to lose kids to that as opposed to coming to play an elite college program. That didn't happen because he turned down a high six-figure offer to play for an Overtime Elite League to come to Carolina. That shows you what he thinks about Hubert Davis, what he thinks about the staff, what he thinks about the potential of this program moving forward. It gives Carolina right now their headline in that 2023 class, and uh, he went to New Jersey to get this guy. Yeah, and I mean, look, he was just on campus last weekend, I believe. Yeah. Um, so clearly that visit made a significant impact on him. I mean, to turn down six figures is – it's amazing because I wouldn't turn down six figures. I'm going to be honest with you; I probably wouldn't either. Uh, here's the thing: I, I, NIL, NIL is definitely helpful with that, and I think that was something that the NCAA kind of knew. Once those types of leagues started showing up in, in you know, in basketball, they were going to have to do something about it. And this is a case where I think you see it works out for Carolina, but also at the same time. You have to get a ton of credit here to uh, Hubert Davis to be able to not only beat out those other options in terms of the professional leagues, but to then be able to beat out all the other college programs as well for a five-star guy that, if I'm not mistaken, is he not rated as the number two overall prospect in the class? 24-7 composite as in 14 national, the number three oh, combo no. guard, and the number three player from that state of New Jersey, which okay. Carolina's Still gone to good. before. You remember that's where they got Dexter Strickland, or formerly known as Dexter Strickland. Now he refers to himself as Baden Jackson. Yep. So there is a recruiting pipeline up to upstate New Jersey. Oh, I mean, look, New Jersey is one of the most talent-rich areas. Also, um, R.J. Davis is from New Jersey as well. Right. I mean, they, there there have been a lot of really good prospects to come out of the state of New Jersey. And, in you know, just, just close to the New York metro area, that's where 
Carolina's had some success before dipping into there. And I definitely think that, you know, this is a guy that Carolina, not going to say needed in the class, but this is one that I think sort of eases any concerns that they have with this class. It gets this class off to a great start. Because, look, I mean, the last couple of weeks, especially at the point guard spot in this class, has been a bit of a roller coaster. So to get him, a guy that's a combo guard, that can play bold, I think now it takes the pressure off of you to have to land this point guard in this class. Now you've got that guy here. Remember that you've also got Seth Trimble who's coming in, so he's another guy that can end up developing and becoming that guy at point guard, allowing Simeon Wilcher to move over to the two guard if he needs to. This gives you a lot of flexibility. It gives you a five-star prospect in the class, and it gives you a guy that you can build around, and this is something that, that could end up, you know, this class could go from having no commits, which wasn't really that concerning, but it could go from having no commits to two really solid commits here in a very short period of time. Because I feel like another guy that was in the building tonight, Gigi Jackson, the amount of times that Carolina has been down there to see him play, he's been to Chapel Hill a couple of times, it feels like there's a pretty strong connection between the two. I think you could be looking at a really, really solid two-man class to start off with Carolina that they'll be building on for you know, the better part of the next year with these two guys sort of headlining the class. That's where I was going to get to. This makes it even more enticing for Gregory Gigi Jackson to come to Chapel Hill. Um, and if, if, and if, if I had to bet as of today – I do think he would be in Chapel Hill, be or you know would commit to Carolina because he's being recruited by virtually every major college basketball program in the country. So Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, you name it, he's got an offer from it. Um, Duke, of course, had their whatever they call their thing down in, in Durham tonight. He wasn't there. He was at Carolina. The, wait, I, the second that Hubert Davis took his entire staff to Ridgeview High School down in South Carolina, um, that that that's the type of impression that a, that a kid will never forget. Um, and I just think they have made him their number one priority, even though they just landed Wiltshire as well tonight. Gregory Jackson is the priority for Carolina moving forward in the 2023 class. You add a five-star with it. And then you can just sell to him, look, you're going to come play with him, and then we're going to go find even other dudes to come help and play with you guys, and we're going to keep building this thing up through the recruiting ranks. Um, it also just shows you that when Hubert Davis said that he took the job of work, Carolina's going to recruit like Carolina has in the past. We're going to go recruit national nationally. We're going to go re- recruit the elite uh, talent. He's doing that. He's getting it to Chapel Hill, um, and it's just, it's just really cool to see – the momentum that carried over after he got the job with all the transfers, with the 22 class, after he had a really great June and July. Um, now it's starting to carry over into the 23 class, and they've already got started on that 24 class as well. So um, with that, we are going to go ahead and shut down this edition of the Four Corners podcast because it's late at night, and we've both had a really long day after grinding uh, at work and then making the trip up here to Chapel Hill. But before we let you go, we do want to get you guys on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. There will not be a 
recap of what happened at late night, but there will be an article breaking down Simeon Wilcher's commitment, a little bit more in depth on him, what it means for Carolina in the immediate and in the future as we continue to look at what that 2023 class is eventually going to develop into as we're getting ready for basketball season to get uh, started. We'll be previewing the season starting next week on the podcast side of things and maybe mix in a few articles with bold predictions. But then, of course, we're going to preview the front court. We're going to preview that back court um, as we inch closer and closer to the start of the basketball season. On the football side of things, Carolina's got Miami at home this weekend and in a game that's do or die for Carolina in terms of salvaging what's been a disappointing season for the Tar Heels. There's already a preview article, podcast, uh, article and podcast up on the website, you can check out both of those. Post game, we'll have a recap. There'll be a trench report, and there will be a stock report, no matter what the outcome is. As Carolina looks to beat Miami for the third straight time. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We thank Anthony for staying up late to host this one with me. We want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.